0: Right there. Thank you. My boss is listening. I mean, what did It wasn't me. It was Jerry. No, I I was. It's funny with electronics. It's always a simple button. You're. You might something will go wrong. Something's not playing right. You'll take the whole thing apart and then realize the power button wasn't on. Right. Hey, dude.
1: Could I get you to turn the volume down?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Got you. Nobody wants that much Duke in their brain. (laughs) (laughs) That's just. That's just too. Too much crazy black guy in the brain. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm a loud guy. Um, so, so, but it's so funny that 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 happened because it reminds me when when all the chaos in life is going on that the moment we take time to just pray, I know, and I just said it right there, just pray mm-hmm. as if it's not one of the most powerful things we can do. Right? Isn't that interesting? We'll, we'll think, oh, the problem is this. The problem is this. No, the problem is, did you take it before the Lord today? Did right. you, you know, and then. Next thing you know, we're feeling anxiety and stress. It's crazy. How's it going with you, man? How's guys going?
1: God is good.
0: And uh, life goes on each
1: day. We're grateful to God for all of his gifts. Uh, so I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. You know, And you know, what's funny is that uh, I know that uh, those, the power of words, right? Like when we speak, we, it's so funny, uh, and help me out if this is true. In this case, you guys want to know Jerry is with One New Man Ministries, uh, OneNewManMinistries.org. If you want to check it out, uh, it is uh, the ministry is about Well, you explain. We'll tell everyone what the ministry is about. The vision of the ministry. We're
1: built on the uh, idea found in Ephesians that Christ has made uh, the opposing parties of Jew and Gentile one new man through faith in Jesus, and it's all about bringing together the various. Our leader, Lee, calls them the various tribes that you can find in the uh, Church of God today, whether that be uh, along uh, Jew-Gentile lines or racial lines, uh, black-white, Asian, whatever. The uh, identifiers our culture wants to put on us uh, to separate us into tribes that, in fact, in Christ, those cultural identifiers are obliterated by grace through faith in Jesus. And so we're dedicated to uh, knocking down barriers that may have grown up in our minds in the church because the world has put them there. Yeah, uh, We're dedicated to trying to uh, erase those barriers and get us to move forward together as one new man.
0: It's beautiful because a lot of people think that, um, you know, this is, they don't know that this was always the plan of God. know what i mean they don't know that god always wanted uh a family to be the family to be one uh and i and i'm like how could you not know that well a lot of it comes from the interpretation of the way they read the bible Uh, when when you you say oh the old testament is no longer necessary we only need the new it's like no this is a continuation uh versus uh you know saying that the old is the old and the, you know, and I, I do know, I do understand uh, a lot of people's confusion about the, 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 uh, the relevancy of the Old Testament versus the new, because if you, if you're dipping in bits and pieces, there are things that make it look like the old is done away with in the new, Like when Christ says, look, I do a new thing. I make all things new. And then we're we don't realize that we're calling it the Old Testament, you know, you know, <laughs> we're calling it, but it, it, uh, it's not necessarily so, uh, or, or we're saying that, you know, the traditions and the holidays are, are no longer, the, the holy days are no longer relevant. And when, when really there was some real awesome time for intimacy with God in those moments, how do you take on, uh, what's your take on that about um, the, the Old Testament is no longer necessary And we only need the new.
1: I really don't understand that position. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The reality is that uh, for Jesus, there was no Old Testament and New Testament. There was just the scripture, Mm -hmm. which we call today the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. Uh, When Paul wrote to Timothy that all scripture was God-breathed, inspired by God and profitable for Uh, righteousness and teaching and doctrine. Uh, That scripture that he was talking about is what we call the Old Testament. The uh, foundation that the prophets and the apostles built, the teaching about Jesus, was all based upon the Old Testament. The New Testament, as we call it, is uh, littered, if I can (laughs) use that word, (laughs) with Old Testament references. All of the points that the apostles...
0: Made as they went about preaching the gospel were, were proven. I guess yeah, you can't see it. Yeah. Can't see no, they can't. The they can't. Our <laughs> people, we, we have our StreamYard audience, can see it.
1: But all, all of the points that they were making were backed up by Old Testament references. And so uh, to say that today, as New Testament people, uh, we don't require the teaching of the Old is just false. Yeah. And it's that's, very short sighted because. So much of what we learn about God, who he is, and his character uh, is, is found in the Old Testament and not, not really repeated in the New Testament because it was a given already. Uh, the apostles were Jewish people who were saturated with Old Testament thought and Old Testament teaching, and that is uh, the presumption that they went out with and uh, spoke to people about this is who our god is this is what he has done in jesus and this is what you do to respond to him in faith and this is what god is going to do when you enter into covenant with him through faith in jesus he is going to make you a new man
0: you know it's funny uh, while i look at movies that i look at movies that were new in the 80s or in the 70s they were new at this time. And it was really exciting to watch. And then uh, time goes on, and you go, oh man, did you dress like that? You used to dress like that? Oh, cars used to look like that. You watch it all and you start, and you say, oh wow, that used to look like that. I think it's funny that when they made the movies, and, and whatever was new in that day, they made the movies, and they put it in there because they were capturing that time. So they didn't, they, they didn't have to waste time in the movie saying, this brand new nineteen eighty-nine Chevrolet. or well, this this it, they already knew they knew what year they were in. They already knew how they communicate. They knew who the president so-and-so. President Reagan, you know, they didn't say, Oh, we can't put the president's name in here because what did they think that we want to make it look as president's but there was always this understanding of what needed to be explained in a film and what didn't need to be explained in a film. Because they knew when you watch it. You're going to know you're watching a movie about America. You're watching a movie about this town. movie, And this is the story of that. And so what it would be a very long and tedious movie if we had to explain every single detail. And I think people don't realize that with the scriptures, that, like you said, I, lo- I love you said it's a given, where when you, by, when you get to the New Testament, you're talking about people who know the God they believe in. You know what I mean? And I do know that the, the, like we don't hear a lot about the Sadducees, but it's because that's not the focus point. The Pharisees and Sadducees did not necessarily get along. I mean, they got along, but they, I don't know that their, their main issue was whether a Messiah was coming or not. That was their main issue, right?
1: Well, well an issue for sure. Um, <laughs> there, there were quite a few uh, dividing lines between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees were the uh, the party, the conservative party, if you will. There you go. Uh, and yet the, uh, well, even that's a little misleading. The Pharisees were conservative in the sense of the scripture. Uh, they believed that the scripture was the given word of God. They were much more faithful and dedicated to the revelation given in the old covenant. Sadducees. Uh, when you read uh, Jesus' takedown, uh, what's what's wrong with them is they they haven't believed the scripture. Uh, right. They they were conservative in the political sense. They were the leaders. They were the rulers. They were the ones who had the ends with the Romans. Um, <clears throat> and so each of them had a a a, a particular. What's the word I want? Uh, area area of of uh of protection that they they were they were looking to protect their their territory uh and the issue of messiah was was one issue for sure uh the issue of collaboration with the enemy uh, yeah. on the part of the Sadducees. You know, they're trying to preserve their, their position, and that means figuring out a way to get along with the Roman leaders. Uh, and the Pharisees are much more, uh, uh, Rome, we're, 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 we're against them. That's why yeah. the Pharisees joining in at the end against Jesus is, uh, to to bring down Roman judgment is, is kind of a betrayal of their fundamental position towards religious,
0: faithful people. Yeah, and I, I think the, the the disturbance, the awakening of the people by hearing the true gospel from the Messiah had created such turbulence that it's like, yeah, you know, even though Pharisees and Sadducees may not get along, it's like, we need to agree to get rid of him.
1: Right, because Jesus became a common threat.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, you know, was it was a Friend of my enemy innocent is my friend, <laughs> something like that. Friend of my enemy, and, and and here's the thing: what's scary about that is Rome, did, the Pontius Pilate did not saw him as an innocent man, you know. Uh, but then I know there's other scriptures that say there was some conspirators going with Herod and Pilate. Uh, it's so funny how much chaos breaks out when the truth is spoken. That that's amazing to me because I know the truth is spoken. Everybody's guards go up, like you said. Defend my territory. Like let me let me justify my sin. Let me justify why I believe what I believe. And it shows you how separated from truth we actually are. Right. You know, what I mean? like when truth is spoken, and everyone goes, "Oh, you can't say that. You can't
2: like that."
1: Yeah, one of my favorite movie depictions, since we like movies, is in uh, uh, Christmas Carol, and the uh, ghost of Christmas past yeah uh, is there at the end of the visit and the light is shining brighter and brighter and brighter and Scrooge wants to the light put it out not to have to see it any longer and that uh, you know men, men love darkness because their deeds are evil yeah uh, Paul talks about uh, suppressing the truth yep uh, yes we, we don't want the truth because
2: the truth reveals the about who we are.
0: And also I think <laughs> when we do something good, you know, when we do something, we will say, well, that means I'm, that means I'm good. Did something good, That means I'm good, because I, I did something good. And uh it's so interesting that when you're walking with God, the only thing you can see is that He is good. You, you if you're really walking with God, you see that He is good. And when something happens, uh situation out of your control, you get angry. The first you go, whoa. If I didn't have God, I would lean more towards and it's like, no, nah, because that's who you really are. That's really you. The real you is that initial response. You know, the real you is that that response to the disappointment, the response to the anger. It's God that teaches us, no, you know, you know, that's God. Yes. Uh, absolutely. <sighs> uh, I was in the uh, drive
1: through line yesterday at the pharmacy, God, and, and I had sat in the line for about 30 minutes. And when I got to the uh, little talk talk place, um, I was told that the prescription I had told them to fill 24 hours earlier wasn't ready, and I would like to say I handled it well. <laughs> But that would be a lie, and I'm not supposed to lie. <laughs> um, so I drove off, and I was uh, repenting before God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And by the time I went back to the store to actually pick it up, I asked to apologize to the person that I There you called. go. But no, I mean, the impulse to good it only comes from God. You know, I'm, I'm always struck by the fact that when the, the, the person in the crowd called to Jesus, good teacher, and he says, why do you call me good? No one is good but God.
0: I think about it every day,
1: and and that's that's a reality. And you know, by the grace of God, we are getting uh, hopefully more control over those things that are not good in us. But C.S. Lewis says something interesting, and I'm not going to be able to quote it, but he says uh, even our good is finally touched by our sinfulness because the minute we do something good, we start to say, "What a grand person I am." Ah. And we immediately turn it into something uh, prideful and selfish.
0: Yeah, so what's happening to me right now is uh, very, very interesting. So for three years, I've been working with uh, this guy who runs the Super Bowl, the advertising for the Super Bowl. And he loves the idea of us being the first faith-based commercial on the Super Bowl, and he was like, "Oh, you guys can do this. You can do that. This is going to be great. You know, the community needs it. The country needs it." And he said, like, "It's never been done before. This is going to be awesome." This budget's going to cost you three million dollars, and I said, "Man, I, I know we can do it. There's no way we can do it." So for three for for three years, we've been promoting and we're trying to raise money to do this commercial for the Super Bowl. Nobody responds, and this year somebody was able to do it it's a, this is a company called uh, jesus uh, he gets us.com he gets us they're going to be able to do it and i'm like yes the gospel's going for it man we got replaced what did we do wrong and so there's this yes the gospel's going forth ah. and then i'm going what happened why because the, the, the guy was so excited well God's like, we'll do the gospel had to go it. And now, so my flesh is like hurt by like this, even I would even say discouraged in the sense. So it's so interesting because it's like, wait a minute. I get to come on the radio and share the gospel. I get to do this, I get to do this, I get to do this. This didn't happen, but it's happening. The gospel's going forth, and so God, I can I can see God maturing me in that area because it's like okay, dude. Well, I know I initially when He gave me the vision for it, I was so excited, like wow, this is gonna be amazing. So many people are gonna get saved. So many people are gonna hear the gospel, and then for the people of God, you know, now we, we pushed it so hard and for no one to respond, and then. I see it boom go up there as a matter of fact the fact that i like i know the guy that had to approve it because we were working with the guy that had to approve it on the super Bowl, i know what his story is he goes he's waited three years you know it's been three years this is a great idea and the people need everything he said was true the people need to hear the gospel you know he's like this is a perfect opportunity if you like he said you know, they never even approached churches before, but the fact that I came to him and said, How we want, want to put a commercial up there, said, this is a great idea, it's never been done before, you know. Let's do it. It's like he started going out, you know, I, I didn't call him and like fuss out, I called him and said, Hey, man, what happened? And he said, Man, it's been three years, but this is a really good idea, was, and the people need to hear the gospel i'm like well it will now that was my response because it's true
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so i immediately felt the instead of feeling the betrayal like that was my job you did my job i initially i felt the all right the gospel's going for it. and I'm like, oh God, i went to show me where, where this is and he showed me when they asked Jesus, why is someone who's not following them preaching the gospel? He says, hey, "The preaching the gospel."
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, Duke, as you were saying that, I just thought of the verse that talks about some of us uh, plant, some of us water, but it's God who gives the increase. And you know, so you thought you were going to be the harvester, but you were just. Why
0: is us? Yeah. yeah. You, you, you were the guy who plowed the ground, right? And it's like it's okay. It, it, it's okay. You know, and uh, that's why I, I was like, what, what is that little pinch of bother? What is that pinch of bother? God, that's the one. you know. go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it is. You know what I mean? Like, oh And, and so then I come in here, so, so a little down, I come into your wonderful face, and then you're wearing that shirt, which means so much to me because that shirt has led uh, that shirt, that scripture, particularly, uh, which I'm, I'd love for you to explain, he's wearing the shirt that says Isaiah 53 on it, which you guys know that we love put scripture as shirts, but he's wearing the shirt that says Isaiah 53 on it, uh, the chapter will change your life, <laughs> which is funny, I didn't see that part, by the way, I just saw it, uh, the first person that, that I won to the Lord was a non believing Jewish person. So and I was able to use that scripture. Mm-hmm. The first person I ever won to the Lord. You know what I mean? And he hit me with, you know, we I know who we are. I know more about it than you do this and that. And I read that and he was like, it wasn't it? The cool part about it was the kids were coming around the lunch table because they were, you know, hearing us talk, because I, I got with that uh, I was trying to preach in school and he was like, guys, yeah, don't listen to that stuff. you know. And he was telling everyone. So then it became this debate that happened. I mean, teachers were standing around and everyone's listening to us talk. And every, both of us were making these great points. The difference is, I was agreeing with him on his points. I was just telling him something that he didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then when I inserted what he didn't know, and I didn't even know about I didn't know that people would tell them Jewish people didn't read Isaiah 53. I had no idea. When I got to that scripture and read that, he goes, Oh. He just took this gas, like someone punched him. He goes, Oh. Wait, read that again? And And I read it again. And then he was just like, That makes so much sense. And then he starts agreeing with me all of a sudden and starts saying, And that would mean this, and this would mean that, and this would mean that. It was so cool. So uh, explain to me what, what is going on with the Jewish people in Isaiah 53. So each week, the uh,
1: readings that take place in the synagogue uh, consist of a Torah portion. The five books of Moses are divided up to be read through the entire year. The cycle begins in the fall and uh, throughout the year, beginning in Genesis we read a portion of scripture uh, that is mapped out to cover the entire year. And uh, we read through the cycle. And connected to uh, the Torah, then, is something called the Haftarah. And the Haftarah is a selection from the prophets. And in the Hebrew Bible, the prophets are not just the uh, prophets that we look at. Uh, in the way our Bible is arranged, the Hebrew Bible is arranged a little bit differently. It has the same books, but they come in slightly different order. So the prophets in uh, the Hebrew Bible are divided into the
2: uh,
1: early prophets and the latter prophets, and uh, the early prophets begin with the book of Judges, right? Uh, or I'm sorry, begin with Joshua, the Judges, and Samuel, and kings are part of the uh, early prophets and the latter prophets begin with Isaiah and carry through the, the uh, prophets that we recognize uh, through Malachi. At any rate, the Haftorah is a selection that is meant to supplement the Torah reading in some way. Uh, there's some sort of theme that can be found between the Haftorah and the Torah portion each week, uh, although there are some exceptions where the Haftorah is based on a calendar event. Such as the destruction of the temple, there will be Hath Torah portions uh, dedicated to sorrow, for instance. But uh, primarily, they are connected in some way to the Torah portion. Uh, Isaiah is a favorite haftorah um, source. Yeah, <laughs> let me put that That's good And the uh, unusual thing about that is. Most of Isaiah is found in in the various Haftar readings, with the exception of Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is never read. Yeah. And so many Jews are unaware that Isaiah 53 exists and are unaware of what it says. And so, you know, the the story that you tell... (laughs) So it's never read, but it's in there. Oh, yeah, it's definitely in there. Uh, The story that you tell about your your, uh, first... Uh, salvation story uh, is similar in a way to what I experienced I was not familiar with the Bible in general uh, let alone Isaiah 53 but when I was after I had been uh, told the gospel I went back and did reading on my own and the the reality of Isaiah 53 is unavoidable uh, what it talks about how uh, this one sent by God is going to be the substitute. Is going to take our sins and transgressions. Uh, a man of sorrows. Uh, we esteemed him not. We, we counted him smitten by God. All these things came true in, in, in Jesus. You know, hey, if, if you were really uh, the son of God, come down from that cross. We, we oh. God, God is getting you for what you did. Uh, that's how we looked at him on the cross. And we didn't see that God, in fact, had put him on the cross. that he, as God, choked the cross because he knew yeah. that he would bring salvation to all who put their faith in him. All we like sheep have gone astray and turned to our own way. God has put, the Lord has put on him the iniquity of us all. This this phenomenal description of, of uh, the, this servant of God who didn't open his Self defense, but rather took the blows, took all that uh, evil and wicked people desired to put on him under the sovereign will of God that he should be that sacrificial lamb. Uh, and then at the end, it was the will of the Lord, crushing me, put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. Yeah, wait a minute, he's dead. How will he see his offspring? Even in, in this little portion, is, is that that. Hint at resurrection, uh, an offering he shall see his offering, he shall prolong his day. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It was the will of the Lord to crush him, yet the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. You know, it's, it's remarkable. Uh, this, this, this tremendous, I love message. the way you sing. I
2: listen to you talk <laughs> all day. <that. laughs>
1: uh, out of the anguish of his soul, by, the, by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And isn't that exactly, because he shall bear their iniquities. God has made him who knew no sin to sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Yeah. This is all here in Isaiah 53, and Jewish people,
0: for the most part, are not aware of it because... It's I mean, not being read. It's not being read. And I think about how much of the same that is for the kids in the street, in the ghetto, in the hood. And I think about the, the racist family. And I think about the family that believes that all they ever have is poverty. I think about the, the, the people in prison. If they don't hear the gospel, they don't hear, how can they know? And I go, oh, Father. We've slacked on evangelism so much and I, it's, it's crazy because I can almost state when it happened, man. It's when we stopped living for family. It, it's so funny, the gospel and family were always of together, whether you're a black family, white family, we knew that there was a centerpiece, and I believe that it was pushing us, advancing us through history, advancing us through to the present and then we started living for comfort. And the thing about the gospel, the thing about the Word of God, is it's not a comfort-based story. It's not a comfort-based faith even.
1: Well, in fact, God warns us that when we get too comfortable, we're likely to forget about God.
0: And that's what I, I really believe.
1: When they're still in the wilderness, preparing to go into the land, Deuteronomy is this, is is the the, uh, the 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 part of the story where after 40 years of wandering in the desert, now we're actually prepared to go in and, and claim the promised land. Uh, it's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be a land where you won't have to worry about being enslaved. It's going to be a comfortable land, but don't get too comfortable because then you're likely to forget God.
0: And then the whole, it's like this reset happens. You know what I mean? It's not that God's not there is that we forgot about God. And I don't think people understand uh, when you forget about God, what that does to your world. When you forget about God, because that means he's speaking, but you don't know his voice anymore. He's moving, but you can't see how he moves anymore. So his character is alive and well, and he's invisible to you. When we forget about God, that's what happens. And I think that uh, we don't realize the, the the danger in that, because what 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 the voice that will be prevalent there. And I've, I've had friends say, hey, y'all have like the devils everywhere." I said, "No, no, you no, know, the voice that's really prevalent when you can't hear the voice of God is yours, and that's the most dangerous voice." You know, I think it's interesting. No matter how many times that we betray ourselves. Bring the wrong people into our lives, eat the wrong foods. And this, this and that. No matter what we do ourselves, we, bring, we, we we may even not forgive ourselves, but we still trust ourselves. Isn't that interesting? No matter what we do wrong to us, we're still like, I have an idea to fix you, it's, and usually it's a horrible idea. You know, you're in your third marriage, and you go, I have an idea. I'm going to get married again. That's going to fix my problem. We need more kids. Yes, that's the idea. I, uh, not, 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 and, and then when things don't go wrong, it's like, where is God? So not only do we continuously trust ourselves after we continuously portray ourselves when we forget God, we turn around and remember him when it comes to blaming him. That's when we go, if oh, God loved me he this god or, or when we got ourselves in a situation and I go god you know father how do you, how does that make you feel I, I always ask father how does that make you feel you know what I mean and you'll we'll always go back to his breathing heart his will by like this is my I said who am I, will that well please that well please? Like, I'm my pleasure is now in him because he's looking at it like the sins, forgiven forgive it, I, it's on him. The faith is required, but the sins are on him, and I'm like, Whoa! But that's what makes
1: him so beautiful and says that we are accepted beloved that that well pleased I am in Christ. Also, is said about me, and that's what's remarkable. And if we truly understand that, that's why sin is such a burden to us, it ought to, and it ought to be a burden to us. And if it's not, there's something wrong with our,
2: <laughs> our perspective <laughs> yeah. about
1: things, you know, because it says, you know, uh, grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and it teaches us to live soberly and righteously in this world. Grace does not say, hey, if I said it's no big deal because I'm covered by the blood of Christ. No, that's not grace. Right. Grace teaches us to live soberly and righteously and to die on the nigh That's what it says in in Titus. right? That's what Paul wrote to, to this, this young leader in Crete. He said, uh, this
0: is the true understanding of grace. And you know, it's funny is that I, I do know that uh, Man, I, listen guys we, I am not trying to sell you on one new man ministries uh, this is just the reality the direction that the father is going and the reason why I, I prefaced it with that is because it's something about knowing the old with the new that that it would be impossible you to have this interpretation of grace that it's for us to abuse. Because you've seen grace in the Old Testament so many times that you know that it's not for the sake of us just being able to do whatever we want. Right. But it's the it's like God, God ushering us in despite our woundedness caused by our own behavior. But he's still saying, come on. I I got you. I'll carry you. You know, you didn't listen, but I'll carry. I I got you. You know, and it's still him covering us when he could have let in the military terms. He still covers us when he could have let us just get shot and killed in the war. But he still says, "No, we're not leaving a man behind. We're gonna, we're gonna go. I'm gonna go back. You know, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back." And he keeps going back. You know, um, because I'm just like, man, it, it's almost like. In order for us to be free, God has to put himself in bondage. Like he's all of that awesomeness, all of that power to love us. The responsibility that it, the re- <laughs> the responsibility that it takes to love us. He's like, I've actually said this, like, dude, go build something else and let us rot. Just let us, <laughs> I mean, we're not going to get it. We're not going to get it. Just go do something else. He's like, I feel his heart breaking sometimes, but he's like, no, dude, that's you being frustrated. I'm when I say I'm, my, my, it, my spirit, the scripture says, do not grieve the spirit. And sometimes I feel that. But then I'm like, oh, it's going to happen. Cause he's, it's already in the word it's going to happen. These things are going to happen. And my heart breaks because I'm like, but Lord, these people don't know. They don't have to be lost. Because the Messiah already did what he did, they don't like, and that's why he's like preach more. So he keeps coming back on the preaching of the gospel.
1: Well, he has uh, designed the foolishness of the gospel to outwit <laughs> uh, the wisdom of men. You know? Yeah, he says, uh, it's the foolishness of preaching, and Paul does this amazing thing uh, to to the Corinthians says, I did not come to you with words of wisdom. I didn't come with uh, a desire to impress you with my rhetorical questions, but I simply preached Christ crucified, which is in Greek moronic. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. And if you think about it, it is a plan that no human being would have designed. Especially because we're all about power and yeah. demonstrations of power and uh, imposing our will. And Jesus came as a servant uh, to to be served, but to serve and to give his ransom for many. Jesus came in a hidden strength, a cloaked strength. Uh, he was God in the flesh. Uh, he knew who he was. That's that's what I love about uh, John uh, 13, the, the beginning of the uh, upper room where Jesus takes off his outer garments and serves the, this, the apostles by washing her feet. Uh, it says he knew where he was from and he knew who he was and he knew where he was going. It was uh, God in the flesh. He had inner strength that he did not u- need to use great demonstrations of power, but in, uh, in order to serve, uh, emptied himself and was willing to to be a servant, even obedient unto death, it says. And in this, he fulfilled the will of God, which was to take on what we couldn't take on ourselves. And that was the penalty of sin because he was the perfect sacrifice that he could bear our sin because he was God. He could bear infinitely. And so he, through weakness, what we would call weakness, this this willingness to turn himself over to wicked men to do what they desired to do, yet still under the sovereign plan of God. It's just also amazing how it comes together that through that weakness, uh, through that moronic, from the world's point of view, demonstration of of godly power, he
0: did something that
1: could not otherwise have been done.
0: It just sounds, first of all, that was like poetry. And you're right. It, it sounds ridiculous because it's like. Um...
1: Well, let me just tie this to Isaiah 53. This is exactly the yeah. that, no, that no, 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 the Jewish no, no, no. people of Jesus' day and Jewish people today would say the same thing. This is not what Messiah came to do. Messiah came to destroy the enemies yep. and promote uh, the Jewish people to the head of the nations. And that is certainly still part of the plan. But the Wait, plan could not. That part of the plan
2: could
0: not take place until God had reconciled the world himself through Jesus Christ. I, I and I, I watched a brother, oh, and I loved his ministry so much, but I watched him struggle with appeasing the common thought, especially because it was a conversation that uh, Bill O'Reilly was having uh, with... Uh, And uh, Bill, Bill and I was having a, a, a interview with uh, a preacher who had a choir the fire. And I used to, have you ever heard of acquired the fire? A choir YWAM, right? Uh, yeah, right around that time, uh, they were part of it, I think, a choir the fire. It was and, a big youth conference. Yep. Yeah. And I saw the position that uh, the guy was in. Uh, the, the preacher was in, because he's trying not to be scary. Uh, and the the preacher said, he said, oh, we don't, you know, people are worried that preachers are trying to call for a theocracy, that God wants America to be a theocracy. Uh, was it Ron Luce? Uh, I'm trying to see if it's Ron Luce. Uh, anyway, the guy says, oh, "Of course not. America's not going to be a theocracy." I'm like, "No, don't say that, because the world's going to be a theocracy." You know, I got, there, it is going to be a time. It's going to be a time where God is it, the, the kingdom of God is going to rule the
1: earth. Yes, when Jesus reigns on earth. I, yeah, I would agree, though, that
0: we are not called as God's people today to create. of course not (laughs) but but the problem is that i I saw him under pressure and kind of write the the entire it's like i would have i feel like that was an open door to explain and the problem with these Uh television shows and doing these interviews they're really trying to push you somewhere and i would have stepped back and said Okay. The kingdom of God is going to the, the Behold, He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. It's in that newness that that, that God is going to reign, and, and the Messiah is going to reign. Uh, the I know that politically, believe believers. I talked to a group of people the other day. They were like, we don't want our panic. we don't want our presidents out there praying. You know, silly, we look to the rest of the world. We see the presidents praying, and I'm going. You know how powerful the rest of the world sees us when when they see us praying? You know, and these are believers. They're not non-believers. You know, and so when I look at the the expectation of the Messiah, doing it immediately, coming immediately to take us from the Romans and save us from the Romans, that's what the Messiah is going to do. For him to go the roundabout way that he did, like you said, the plan is still to rule, but that before the reconciliation. Right. And you go. Well, know. and then the inclusion, too, because uh,
1: God had designs, you find it in, in a number of places. It's not enough that you should rule uh, Judah, but uh, let me give you the nations of the world. Um, Psalm 2, the installation of the king, a messianic psalm, and it talks about the nation coming and it talks about why do the nations rage against the Lord and his anointed one Mm. Um, instead there is coming a time when the nations will bow down not just the people of Israel so it was too light a thing that Messiah should be only king of Israel but the Messiah the anointed one should be king of all nations and that day is coming, but that day was preceded by the day of Messiah taking on the sins of the world. Why did he do that? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life.
0: Yeah, and I can see so
1: all things in order.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and our fears and our anxiety, and even our oppression can't take precedence over the order of God. No, there's,
2: there's yeah, nothing that will impede yeah. God's plan from
0: being completed. I, I heard a philosophy about Judas doing that. They're like, Judas did walk with Christ. He, he did believe, but I heard that I I, I I wonder if he was like, he's trying to make something happen. Let me betray him. He'll show his power. You know, like you know, I can totally see that. Sure, there's there's human ideas. psychologizing yeah. we can do about Judas. Yeah, all you have to do is be a human and think of the human way. Right. <laughs> You know, I tell you, there's, there's the, 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 the money-hungry version. I'll do anything for a dollar, but I'm just like, you know, I can see somebody going, I know how powerful he is. I know that, that he'll rise up and he'll do this. And his commitment to the order of God, right? Because I can tell you as a human being, and I, I do this all the time, I say, let's say if God I said, dude, I need you to save man, can I? I think I told you this last week, or a little before last, you guys are doing that and I say, okay, well, what's, what's the benefit? I can walk on water, I can do some cool stuff. Awesome. But when it needs you get beat up at the end, I got you. I can, I, can, I can do that. Let's see if I can take that beating. The part I know for, 100% know that I couldn't handle is when I'm saving you from your sins and then you start mocking me. Cause You know, the, the same thing with the the... the he gets us, and I felt that little pinch. I don't – public humiliation does something to me, right? So I'm just like, oh, I'm going to show you who you're dealing with. So it's a truly enemy that I've dealt with for years. you know. And then God, what does God do? He puts me in public, in public media. I'm constantly being scrutinized. I'm like, okay, <laughs> my stress level. But it's amazing that he stays on the cross to the point where even the thief says, okay, you're praying for them. His commitment leads to this other guy has, to get saved. And I'm going, Yeah, God, you couldn't depend on him. You not it's 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 too personal, too deep, where you're literally looking. This is not just an innocent man dying. It's not that. It's like dying for the sake of his accusers. It's one thing to be accused, like you're you're saying I did something I didn't do, you know. It's, my word versus yours, but if I'm dying for you, and you're accusing me, that's that's another level of hurt. Uh, you know what I mean? Like uh, that's you know what I'm saying. That level of betrayal. It's it, it's like I'm doing this for you. It, the only thing you can compare it to is you loving your child and they hate you for it. That's the only thing you can compare it to. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Jesus, the, the, the situation was they didn't know that he was dying for them. Father, you know, forgive them, but they, they, don't do yeah. they don't know what they're doing. Take
2: what, 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 <laughs> <that> big boy <voice-y>. seat.
0: <laughs>
1: certainly a, a, a spot only Jesus could occupy.
0: Hands down, because our ability to be offended is, is unreal as if we've as if we were sinless you know what i mean even after the, the, the i it's so funny how easy it's to, it is to talk about forgiveness and it's it's so amazing the difference between talking about it and then actually doing it you know what i mean the distance well, sure. is huge
1: well, I think if we're honest with ourselves, so well, it's not just forgiveness that we can talk about easily and find it hard to do. <laughs> Generosity is a personal difficulty of mine. Right. Um, other people struggle with other things. Uh, we talk about how we're called to do it and uh, even I think uh, why, why it would be good for us to do it. And we still have a hard time actually doing it. It's just like getting angry in the drive-thru yesterday uh I do it we're we're, we're 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 still uh, works in progress we're pilgrims on the way yeah 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 and hopefully
2: we are uh
1: by the grace of God and the spirit of God working in us and uh by other other means perhaps uh, we are becoming more like Jesus that's that's the point isn't it that uh, we have been called to uh, be conformed to the image of your son and there we are again in that spot, in Christ. (laughs) Even though I am still uh, struggling with my flesh and struggling with sin, uh, God sees me through the lens of Jesus. I am in Christ. This is Paul's favorite expression to describe our relationship. We are in Christ. God sees us in Christ. He has counted to us Christ's righteousness, and Christ has taken our sin and put it to death on the cross. So that we are accepted in the beloved, God looks at us and well,
0: please, not
2: because
0: of anything more than the faith that we have put in Jesus. Yeah, you know, I, I know that. I know that there's a lot of different religions out there. I know that for my atheist listeners, uh, that's one of the biggest turnoffs. Is like, how do you know who's right? How do you know who's right? How do you know who's right? You know who's right? And this is where I gotta celebrate. He gives us, you know, because the reality is, our God became one of us. Our God sent His Son, you know, with the purpose of relating to us, connecting to us, redeeming us, saving us, and 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 you you've got to be able to know how we're going to respond you got to be prepared for that you know uh, (laughs) i've seen people committed to saving abused animals what's crazy is the animal is already familiar with abuse and they know exactly what the people look like that did it what their species looks like so when these people with the best hearts in the world Come to help these abused animals, the abused animal is freaking out. Like, all oh, I know, I don't care what your intentions are, you're a human being. And sometimes, um, my atheist brothers and sisters, sometimes you can see re- religion like that. You can see people who even use the term God like that. You can see, you know, uh, anything that has to do with deities. And, even, and you can freak out because you think this is going to be the same old thing. Human abuse, human abuse. That's what the animals are thinking. Humans, and I watch these people create plans to gain the trust of the animal. Put lay food down, and, and you know they can still get their Stick their hand out, do everything to show that they're not a threat. And then they eventually the trust is built, and they, but they take however long it takes, right? And they bring the animal in. And now the animal and they're able to bring him, you know, to healing and restoration. And I go, Oh my God. Father, you do that. The guy that thought he was gonna be dead at 13 from alcohol addiction finds you when he was fifty. Been drinking since he was thirteen, finds you when he's fifty, and now he's on fire for God. His mother and father passes away. Never even knew that their prayers were answered. They probably did know, but not the way they thought. They wanted to see their son, but the fact that the father never let them go because he was constantly with them, kind of walking through that process. Now, if you talk to this person, he knows that you're not going to listen for the entire story from 13 to 50, but he knows that he was talking to God the entire time from 13 to 50. He knows that God was talking to him. You know, there was a time when he didn't listen. There were times that he didn't know. But because God never came up. When he turned 50 years old, you know what I mean? And now, you know, he's 65 with this amazing ministry and he's doing all this other cool stuff with bikers and young people and stuff. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. And when you were talking, that's what was going through my mind, like, when you said he, you said it so profoundly like well the thing is they didn't know and even though that, that little pinch I was there, <laughs> that little pinch is like but they mocked him because i want to make that the big deal
2: mm-hmm.
0: but he goes no they don't know that's for him to rise above his own offense do you even think he was offended
1: Ever considered the question? So yeah. I'm hesitant to just jump in and say one way or another, uh, is God offended? Because that's really the question we're asking. Uh, you know, I wonder sometimes, as the oldest brother in in a family, how it was you? for Jesus. Oh, yeah, well, Jesus! I'm, I, I'm I'm an old, oldest brother also, and um, you know, we we know from their later interactions that they didn't think much of his claims. Right. Right. Very and true. so uh, they thought, you know, Jesus was definitely a different kind of kid. Yeah. I mean- it, it's, No it's, doubt. It's a, it's a, <clears throat> without doubt that, that he, he was different than other kids. Uh, he was perfectly obedient to his parents. He never spoke angrily. he never lost his temper. He didn't throw a temper tantrum. You know, and so his brothers, at at an age where they were old enough to recognize all that, uh, I'm sure gave him a rough time. Um, I don't know what kind of games uh, Jewish kids at that time played, but I'm sure there was rough housing, and I don't know where Jesus might have fit in with that sort of thing. Uh, but was he ever offended by how his brothers treated him? I, I would guess probably not.
0: Yeah, because the, the, <laughs> the, the, the passion would have blocked it out. And
1: so, I mean, throughout his life, I mean, he's 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 God in the flesh, and this is this is a, a mystery ultimately to us. What. We know that he gave up his divine prerogative to exercise his own will. That's what it says in Philippians. He became completely submissive to the Father. In Hebrews, it says that he learned obedience through suffering. That He he had a a learning curve in some areas, for sure, even though he was God. But there's, there's, there's still this mystery of how does that God and human interact in Jesus as he lives out his life? Uh, and, and whether he, he was offended uh, ultimately at the cross, I, I would have to say no, that he he was yes. so satisfied in the knowledge that he was doing the Father's will that even if that included what this was,
0: he couldn't be offended by it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Listen, we're going to be right back. We got to take a quick break. I don't want to get into to play this commercial before I you know that. <laughs> like, Doug, stop. Find the commercial. All right, we'll be right back. When I say right back, we're coming back like ten seconds. Seven
2: point nine FM W two fifty eight one hundred three point seven FM W two seventy nine AD and one
0: hundred three point nine FM W two
2: eighty CX WJLC Virginia Beach Norfolk Chesapeake Portsmouth
0: and all of Hampton Roads Positive Hit Radio current FM. All right, we are back. Uh, We're here with Jerry of One New Man Ministries. uh, And uh, just to give you a recap, One New Man Ministries is about. One New Man Ministries is from Ephesians chapter
1: 2, that in Christ, uh, God takes people from different tribes and makes them one new man man is Christ. And we are called to live with Christ each day. (coughs) Excuse me. and so, One New Man is dedicated to the idea of bringing together different uh, groups of people who see differences based on ethnicity, on race, perhaps, uh, within the church, and remind each other that we are one in Christ. That the uh, separating walls that our culture keeps wanting to erect have all been abolished in Christ.
0: Well, I can tell you what you know. I- We've got, there's a lot of, this reconciliation is truly important because I know that a lot of people who are walking with God that feel, they they feel like incomplete. It's like, yeah, the incompletion is coming from the, 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 the spirit of God wanting to lead you to all truth. And then we'll try to resist the spirit to defend what we know because it's always what we know is enough you know what i mean like it's it's always what we know is enough like i know i know the right way to serve god i'm baptist i'm methodist i'm lutheran i'm catholic I, i listen i watch how people of god don't hear each other they don't listen to each other it's like nope 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 i'm right the reason why i was right because my mom we lead me the wrong way. My mom wouldn't take me to a Baptist church for no reason. And we insert these personal perspectives and reasons as if they are the, the authority of God, you know, I mean? versus saying, Hey, let's come together. Let's have this conversation. I know that I'm Baptist. I know that you're Methodist. Where do we differ? You know, I know that you, you know, you're messianic or even Jewish. It's like, when do the people that serve the God of Abraham, I I would have to even include, you know, anyone that claims Abraham, Isaac, you know, and Jacob as as their source, when do we come together and have this conversation and say, hey, first of all, the world can do it with the UN, the world can do it, and they're just trying to figure out how to control the world. We're saying we're people who believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at what point do we come together and have this conversation say let's figure this thing out together or do you think that's even possible
1: i guess i would say we need to be doing it all the time Um, we sadly erect barriers where barriers shouldn't be put up you know uh, the saying's been around a long time and in Essentials, unity, and not essentials.
0: Essentials, unity. Yeah, in, yeah.
1: In, in all things, charity or grace. Uh, we need to decide once more what are the essentials. Uh, what what are wow. the things that make us one in Christ? And and to recognize that there are things that we differ about that are not essential and are not a reason to break fellowship and that gets us into an interesting situation about who can take communion in our churches Uh, but breaking fellowship uh, over things that may not be core may not be essential uh, when we break fellowship over uh, the nature of baptism even you know there's there are uh, people who believe
0: uh, anyway, yeah.
1: Well, let's start at the core, people who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who uh, died for our sins and was resurrected and, and rose the third day, uh, sits at the right hand of God. I believe in God, the Father. I yep. believe in God, the Son, I, you know, the, the, the core. But then when we get to baptism, some people say, I believe all that about God. But here's what I think about baptism. I think we should be baptizing our infants as a sign of the covenant. And others who say no, we have to baptize people who are old enough to understand what they're doing, who have made a, a a confession of Christ. And so we separate over something that is important, but has room for some biblical backing on both sides. Yeah. And is not essential to our salvation. Yeah. And so what's what's sad about that then is the world sees division and um, what what we what we often do though is, is we say that we recognize that division also and it's an important enough division to us to say you are on the outside and so you have churches that will not allow people to come to their fellowship table the lord's supper yeah uh because you don't don't toe the line in this particular area that I would say is a non-essential.
0: yeah as a matter of fact unfortunately uh, you know this is where it gets weird uh, we both know that God uses uh, God uses marriage kind of as a reflection of his commitment to us you know to, he, the, the concept of marriage kind of reflects his relationship with us. In a big way, and it's so interesting that these non-essentials are sometimes the same things that divide households. You know, the, the 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 small things that we hold on to instead of showing each other love, we will create tension in the house over things that don't matter.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that kind of same reality is like that same exact analogy. When you when you were talking, I was like, this sounds like a uh, husband and wife making small issues big, and then it leads to the divorce. You know, I wanted the red car, you got the blue car. I wanted a Honda, you got the Ford. Yeah, I, I wanted the couch. You didn't let me get the couch. But you like, it doesn't matter. We made a covenant with God. We're together. We have each other. We love each other. And those small issues can paint a picture that aren't even real. And next thing you know, you don't love, you're looking at your Husband and wife, with oh, how did I get tied up with you? Or, you know, when really you forgot the reasons why you fell in love with them in the first place. It's the same thing with the body of Christ. We we got to remember. I think to not try to make the church or the Bible or even God our desire, like what we wanted to be. We have to. We have to, to kind of. Like I love what you said. when You said that Yeshua became completely submitted to the will of the Father. Like that became his identity. I honestly believe that because of the Messiah, we have a roadmap on how to do that. To to literally be to allow him the will of God to infuse and eventually take over our identity. And become our identity, where we now are the Word made flesh. We now are reflecting God the way we were originally supposed to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's the end goal. You know, uh, I, I do want to ask you about this because I, I hear a lot of believers say this, and I hear a lot of people say you kind of hide behind this. And, and I don't. And maybe this goes back to the grace thing a little bit. Uh, but it's just, well, nobody's perfect, but Jesus. No, no one's perfect with Jesus. And I often hear that as a defense mechanism of why why I have permission to sin. This is what a lot of people say. Is, well, no one's perfect with you. You talk like everyone's supposed to be perfect. No one's perfect with Jesus. Uh, what's the misconception on that? Why does that bother me so much that I hear that?
1: Well, let's go back to the old covenant. And... It's interesting that this week uh, we are reading the Torah portion includes Exodus 20, which is the Ten Commandments, and the companion haftarah is Isaiah 6, the vision of God in the temple when King Uzziah died. And what what is this vision? He sees the vision of the Lord sitting on his throne and just the train of his robe fills the temple and the seraphim are flying back and forth. And what are they saying? They're saying, well, in Hebrew, they're saying Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is forth his glory. Now, we need to recall that not only is God holy, but he says to Israel, because I'm holy, you shall be holy also. And so when Jesus is confronted on this subject, he says, uh, you shall be perfect as the Father in heaven is perfect. Does that mean without sin? No, because when we study the concept in the Old Covenant, we understand that perfection uh is really the idea of integrity of of wholeness of of being unified and so if we are unifying ourselves with god we are mimicking his holiness we are walking in perfection we can step out of that obviously right and we at that point like Isaiah, you know, it's interesting. He says, "Woe is me!" I heard somebody say this one time. He says, "What?" Well, he says, "I am undone." What does it mean? To be, <laughs> yeah, undone. He said he was no longer integrated. Integrate is a different version of integrity. He was disintegrated because he was in the presence of the Holy God. But we see grace at that moment, too. What does God do? He says, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And God sends his angel from the altar with the purifying fire. Yeah. Grace comes because he wasn't holy like God was holy. But he could be made perfect and integrated in God's presence through God's grace. And so when people say that uh, you know, not all, only God is perfect. perfect, well, yes, that is true in a sense. But it's not an accurate, biblical picture of what God is calling to us and what God means by integrity or, or by perfection. He's talking about this integrated personality, one with God, that is the result of recognizing I am
0: disintegrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
1: God can make me whole. Through his and, it, and
0: it's it, it, that's why I said I always felt like it was this defense mechanism. It was like, no, oh, I'm not perfect. I'm like, man, the way you're saying that, it's not like – I know what you're saying, but I also know how you're saying it. He's right? like, I want to protect that. I, you know what it is? Once we find out that we can achieve, because there's no scripture that says that we cannot be what God called us to be. There's not one scripture that says we are, it is unattainable for us to be who God called us to be. It doesn't exist. Everything you see, saying, you can, you can. You know, I, I, I'm not holding my spirit back from you. So, literally.
1: yeah, Duke, I can do all things through Christ who <laughs> right. And that yeah. all things isn't every single thing I can imagine, but it's everything that God has called
0: me to do. Right. So, if God has called no. us towards perfection, we can do it. We can in, do it in Christ. Yeah, exactly. And, and here's the thing that I, that's the gateway. It's like in Christ. We can be who God called us to be. We can do, we can accomplish what God called us to do. And when I hear that, nobody's perfect except God, you know, no one's perfect except Jesus. And I'm like, man, what is it? And I realize, ah, the flesh wants to avoid the responsibility and the consistency. Because consistency and re- responsibility are the same thing. There are days when my kids were babies that I'd get up and I'm full of vigor and I'm like, yeah, that's not we're gonna party It's four o'clock in the morning, feed the baby in a good mood. The next day, you know, in the good mood. The next day, because I just woke up four o'clock in the morning, two days before that, got a new baby in the house. Two days before that, it's like, all right, this is gonna get some used to. The, front, the, other, the first two days were good. The third day, a little bit more tired, like it's gonna get better eventually. You know, <laughs> but the fifth day, fifth day of being a new dad, my son still gets up four o'clock in the morning, my son. It's a four o'clock I'm not gonna feed this dude. By the sixth day, God, why does he sleep? What's wrong with him? He wakes up four o'clock in the morning every morning. And I'm rocking him. And then you know I'm like, like falling asleep, he's falling asleep. But the first two days were like amazing. I got a new baby that was by the seventh day. I'm looking like a monster. And I'm putting the I I put the soda in the microwave <laughs> and I'm like oh I got a soda and I'm like, gonna go back downstairs and get the bottle because I put the soda in the microwave and I get the bottle and then I walk up with the powder <laughs> and then I gotta go back down and sit and I'm like what is happening right now and I realized the romantic part we love that part the responsibility part is where maturity kicks in that, that's the part where it's like, all right. So it's like, oh, baby, what's that smell? You <laughs> have like, that smells that same baby. It's time for a diaper change. Oh, you yeah. But I used to try to just call my mom. She lived in, I, lived in, I, lived in, I lived in Norfolk. She went uh Chester with mom. You think you can come over and change the baby's diaper? She's like, no, no, no. no. Just do it. Oh, man. So responsibility to a certain degree or maturing a process, that has nothing to do with the immediate gratification and the stimulation that the flesh loves so much.
1: Well, the flesh wants to exercise itself. We are called to subject the flesh to the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, that's, that's the flesh wars <laughs> against the spirit, <laughs> and, 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 and that's a reality. As you we were talking about um, uh,
0: the dad, the
1: baby. Yeah. Yeah. What were you talking about? Oh, the uh,
0: yeah, using I'm,
1: I'm, I'm, not I'm not perfect. perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, I, what I relate that to is uh, that many times still after 50 years of marriage. Difficulty, unwillingness yeah. to say to my wife, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. And I will use a version of I'm not perfect, not necessarily that, those words, but a version. Yeah. Well, what do you expect? Though? Yeah, I'll tell you with it. Yeah. That, 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 that's just how I'm built or something like that. <laughs> that's but the one right Instead on. of just saying, and I, and I can feel that battle going on in my spirit. Oh, right. Just say you're sorry. Just say you're sorry. Just say you're sorry. And how.
2: Or those words to my, I don't know are you, you I hearing hear this, Faith? <laughs> are you hearing this? My daughter said, What her things? I don't. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I don't know if people can relate to these, uh show you know, Happy
1: Days, oh. but Arthur
2: Fun's Yep. Did not say, I was wrong.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's so true. You know, uh, let's see here. One of the things that that, that I Was thinking about, uh, he was picking on on me uh, at the church because all my kids, I surprised uh, the cantors with uh, my kids coming to their church service
2: Uh,
0: the other day. They invited me and Sean Justice from Justice Pictures is in town and uh, they invited us to their church service. So the guy's preaching, uh, Ezekiel Williams, Pastor Ezekiel Williams preaching. And he starts talking about how desperately, you know, we need the grace of God. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, not only would Peter have gotten locked up for cutting off the uh, ear, uh, it's not my, you know, it was not it was my servant, yeah, uh, cuts off his ear, but it's the grace of God that picked it up and put it back down. But if it was up to us, there'd be a bunch of fearless people walking around, and uh while he's talking, all three of my kids turn and look at me at the same time. And I'm like, message? <laughs> you know, like, and when Lee saw it, I, I looked at I was like, look, man, I'm working on like, oh. it. Like, it's like, and I look at me, like, hey, I'm good. Man. I'm to me it's too. Like this yeah, time. yeah, yeah. It's like, just, it was so funny because my thing got called out. You know what I mean? Like, hey, there be some years. He says, as a matter of fact, some people. Earless and lipless, and I was like, "Oh, you know, it's a grace of God." It's like, if if the truth be told, if He had to rise above offense and and take on our sin, then what a privilege to be able to rise above offense and take on His righteousness, because it's available, because He did it for us. And what's interesting about
1: that is, is there will be people who will not see that for what did. but there will be people who do see it and will recognize Christ in you. And just like Jesus, people look at him and saw God's sacrificial lamb, and others just saw a criminal who deserved to die. Deserve
0: you know, it's funny you say that. So, from about 20 years old, all the way to about, I'll say recently. To, to, I'll say to about, I started things started going sideways right around 39, but I would just take it for the cause of Christ, not taking because I thought I was Christ. I was like, no, he was, he went through more than this. I was always comparing my, the stuff that I was going through with the sacrifice that Christ made. And I was able to use that for a very long time. This is my humanity really started kicking in when it was like. Uh, so this is everybody knows my story, so just so gonna tell it real quick. So I get, uh, I got married at twenty years old, and my ex-wife had several affairs during the marriage. Got pregnant by someone else uh, while, we were, while we were married. She got pregnant by someone else. And we had already had three uh, three kids. And then uh she had no, we had two kids at the time, Ezekiel and Faith. And then she got pregnant by someone else, and she was gonna have an abortion. God tells me to save the child. I'm like, whoa, this is deep. Because you know, divorce is the, the adultery is the reason why you can get divorced. So <clears throat> I become very familiar with the burning, heartbreaking betrayal, feeling of betrayal and you know, uh, even several of those, she had several friends before that, and I was constantly reading the scriptures, like, what do I do? It's like, forget. What do I do? Forget. He takes me, to, shows me Hosea, and I'm like, oh, wow. You know, you know, I get to do this for real, and I take that on. But I still had this expectation that everything was going to be fine at the end. And so after all of this, taking a child on, then our family went through some horrible stuff uh, with, with – uh, you know, her brother, her brother, uh, and I had to deal with that, you know, and, 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 you know, just devastation after devastation. And then the divorce still happens. But I'm thinking I went through all of that chaos for the outcome to be God gets the glory, saves the marriage. That was my perfect story that we did go through this. And, and one day, uh, after after the divorce happens, and I, I have this huge hissy fit, and we're doing coming soon, Jesus. I'm preaching at the time, but still privately going through all this craziness. Some you know, but everyone's like, Duke, you're such a powerful man of God. This is that, but inside I'm dying. I'm just dying, and I'm going through one thing after another, and I'm and I'm, I feel so alone. I even feel like God is just seeing how much I can take. So I've developed this idea that I'm going through what I'm going through because God's seeing if I'm really worthy or not. So I've got to win. I don't feel, I could, I could honestly say I didn't feel any love because I was going through that much while preaching. And I'm completely devastated by the time the divorce happened. So at this time, I had like billions of dollars, you know, from coming to the all the other projects that I've been working on, investing in movies and things like that. And I'm ready to just end it all. So I started giving money away to all these different churches. I started giving money away. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm giving money away. And and God reminds me of something that was so amazing. He reminded me that I had three kids that look up to me. That love me, and he's like, You've yet to see what I'm doing with them. And if you're so focused on what's happening to you, you're so focused on this. We show me that. I'm like, Whoa, all right, God, I'm gonna give you a chance. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I mean, give God chances, and I'm like, All right, God, I'm gonna give you a chance to show me what you're doing, to show me what you're doing, and show me that I fell in love with my idea of what he was doing. I never—I uh, just, <laughs> just, dude, I just assumed, <laughs> like you know what I mean. And I, I—I didn't, didn't know. I fell in my—I fell in love with my idea with what he was doing, and then I got disappointed that he didn't do my idea. And now I'm ha- my my reaction is from the disappointment of my identity, never did he say, I'm gonna save the marriage. He never said that, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, that was, that was all me. You know what I mean? And then he starts to, I had to be a single dad for about a year and eight months. Get all, well, at one point I had all four kids. And then uh, finally I said, you know what? I've got a, my, my, the fourth one, the one that I adopted, out of, uh, gets full autism full spectrum autism and the kids they love their brother they love their brother and i said uh, the lord told me that i had to send him back to his mom that it was going to affect the other kids i'm like what that that doesn't sound right this is something off but then i realized that it was true and so i did that i sent him back to his mom and it ended up saving her because she was kind of just out there doing her own thing. And by sending the child back, you know, it kind of brought her back down to responsibility. And then all of a sudden I was able to start sending the kids over there. And then, you know, we were able to start kind of becoming a (laughs) family-ish. You know what I mean, a family-ish? Like we we could be in the same room, we could talk. So even today, our relationship isn't the greatest, but it's like the kids still have their mom and dad mm-hmm. before it was, you know, we're staying away from those people. You know, you stay away from your, your mom. You see what now it's like, okay. I, I, you know, and so I saw God do it a little differently. Now my kids are serving God full time, but it, it only happened because I had to get over my idea. Now, I did try to get my money back. I went to the churches. It was too late. That <laughs> money <Everybody> was gone. That <laughs> money was gone. I went back. I was like, listen, I was in a bad place. They were like, the Lord's going to bless you. I was like, mm, maybe not financially this time, but, but maybe he will. You know, He's a redeemer. But my, my point in saying all that was that I clearly remember being able to rise above the offense of having my wife at the time cheat on me. I remember using the word of God to do it. I remember the pain, coming over the pain. I remember the, the, the constant lie, being to constantly lie and come home with hippies on her neck and all this other stuff. I remember wanting to just fall apart, but I remember God showing me what it really felt like to rise to who I really was in my identity as a child of God. And I remember that access and that feeling and i also remember when i started deciding not to let it in anymore and i was like no I'm, I'm not i'm not dealing with that anymore and i remember the reason why was because i said to myself people don't care anymore they, they don't care anymore and that's when the lord showed me the real meaning of matthew 24 when he said the love of many will wax cold And he said, but they that endure to the end will be saved. And I thought, oh, man. If Yeshua means salvation, they that endure to the end. He's like, those are the ones Yeshua is going to dwell in. Yeshua is going to save. Yeshua, Salvation is for enduring, not for the comfortable.
1: Salvation is always for those who wish to be saved. Yeah, that—that's. If you really step back from from, uh, from from it all and ask why why do people refuse the offer of forgiveness in Jesus, it's because they don't see they have a need for it.
0: <sighs> yeah.
1: For those of us who can walk in humility, we see a need for it every day, right? Exactly. And so. I think that is what enables us to persevere and to endure, is that we continue to confess that we are needy people. Uh, I am poor and needy, the psalmist says. And yes, Jesus is filling us up in so many ways each day, but at the end of the day, we still honestly can say, Lord... Tomorrow's coming, and I am still poor and needy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I made it through today. Uh, or, you know, the famous prayer lord. Uh, I, I haven't done this, and I haven't done that, and I haven't done this, and I haven't yeah. done that. But I'm about to get out of bed.
2: <laughs> right, right,
0: right, right. <laughs> so right. I'm really going to need you from I'm here on need in. It, Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, this, how, how do we, I know that I, that I, I said that I, that the word of God helped me out in a big way in this situation, but when it, when, when those when the emotions are going, how do we help somebody who may be new to this? First of all, and and and, and their emotions. Of course, that's what you gonna live by before you come into the spirit. You know, God, your flesh has pretty much full control on uh, someone who, who can't see a better day coming. And then they meet you, or they meet me, and we start talking about this promise of this love of God, and they're trying to process that. How do we explain to them that this promise is real? You know what I mean? Uh, that this, you know, it's so much easier to believe that bad things are going to happen than it is that there's good things.
1: I don't know how you get there without the word of God, okay, uh, honestly, um, and, and even if it's only a little bit of the word that you know, that is the thing that you have to learn to hang on to and to go to, and I would just encourage people to get as much of the word into you as you possibly can. Uh, one of the great gifts that God gave me as a new believer was the Chicago Public Transit. I did not have a car yeah gotcha. and I had a tiny Bible that fit in my pocket and I would get on the bus or the train and I would read read oh and read, there it and is read. and so that was a gift uh, that God gave me just a lot of time to to be able to read the word. Uh, I wasn't forced into you know a 20 minute devotional in the morning I was you know 40 minutes, Transiting in one direction and 40 minutes transiting the other direction, and honestly, I had 30 minutes in the middle of the day at lunch break. You
0: were just in it.
1: Those that first year as a new believer, that's what that's how I spent my my leisure time, honestly, because I felt as a Jewish person that I had spent my whole life uh, separated from the book that was our life. Right, and there was a real urge a, a spiritual hunger, I guess, to, to know what that word said. Uh, I was given a further gift uh, to go to Bible school where memorizing was one of the courses. So we memorized a lot of scripture verses. We memorized the book of Ephesians. i sad to say I could not recite Ephesians to you today. But an awful lot of the verses that uh, I learned are, are foundational. And so when we talk about how do you get through those times uh it is all about um connecting with god but when we say that you know what, what is the way that god chose to connect with us it is through the word through the living word jesus and through the written word that we have been scripturated uh, in the old and the new testament Yes. Yeah. and so Whatever word that you have when you are feeling like despair is winning, you need to grab onto that word. You need to find some words in the word that give you uh, the, the, the truth, uh, that, that speak who God is, that speak God's actions, uh, not only in the past but in, in our uh, day-to-day living, that speak the truth about the future hope that we have. Uh, a verse that I've been reflecting on. uh, I have it uh, on a a sticky note on my monitor is Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who called us is faithful. So why do we need a confession of hope? Because we're going through tough times. (laughs) And what is the hope that we have? The hope according to when when. When Paul writes to Titus, going back to that passage about grace, waiting for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. What gets us through the hard times is some sort of reflection on the fact that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And the reality is that you've lived long enough as a Christian, I've lived long enough as a Christian to know that Jesus is coming is not only when he physically comes, but even in this situation, well, somehow, right. some way, Jesus is coming.
0: And that's how we get through those times. You just preach that. You just preach. it is a black church that go preach, preacher!
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I don't think there's a simple, there, there, there's no magic bullet here for, for, for what gets us through. What gets us through is the word of God in scripture that connects us with the living word which
2: is Jesus.
0: Yeah and Jesus is coming. Yeah because I, I do know that these situations every situation that I've been in that I thought was going to absolutely kill me. Every, every situation that I thought was gonna absolutely destroy me. It was but it's it's sad that this is the process, but it's boo boo. Right? And yell at people on facebook and then i pace around you know distance myself and then you know, i need the word get in the word wait a minute and then all of a sudden i gotta get these floods of ideas and i get revived and then i'm telling everybody on facebook about how silly i am like hey guys remember when i say this oh, that's pretty stupid you know and i get on the radio show and tell everybody, <laughs> and tell everybody what happened But it's amazing that it's the it's always the word that brings me back to life.
1: Well, and, and you think about it, uh, what is it that aligns us with God?
0: Right, with the word Lord of God. God. You know, uh, it does the it aligns us the rod and thy staff.
1: One of the judgments that uh, God gives the prophet Amos uh, is a vision of a wall. And a plumb line, right? And the wall is all crazy and crooked, right? But what is the plumb line? The plumb line is God Himself, and God reveals Himself in the Scripture. And so, the more that we align with Scripture,
0: and we, the more we're aligning with God, the more our wall is getting straightened <laughs> yeah, out, yeah, and coming into plumb, right? It's 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 so true because I have people say, Duke. I don't know if, this, this is literally what people have said about me. Duke, I don't know if you are a WWE entertainer or a preacher. You, you got to decide. Because sometimes when I, the, the other side of me is definitely more, you know, like, ah, punch him in the face. <laughs> it's like, then like, there's the, the Jesus side of me that's like, you know, pray for them, forgive them. Like, oh, well, just last week you told me to punch it down the face, you know? But I, I realized that even those inconsistencies in me started when my initial response was, my, I used to get offended and then run to the word. So those were years of me doing that. I didn't feel the offense because I was getting the instructions on how to war. I'd be so focused on the word of God and then, when I got tired, what really happened was I got tired of going through. So instead, I laid down the word. I laid down my sword. I'm not fighting anymore. Well, and that's why we're we need brothers, yeah,
1: and sisters in the Lord. That's why we
0: can't.
1: Oh, you can't leave by
2: yourself. No.
1: Our Torah portion last week was uh, coming out of Egypt. How the Israelites were attacked by the Amalekites. And Moses went up on the mountain with his staff, and as long as he was able to hold his hands up, the Israelites were winning. And when his hands got tired and they drooped, Israel would start losing. And so they sat Moses down on the staff, and Aaron on one side and her on the other side held up Moses' hand so he could uh, lead Israel mm-hmm. to the victory. Yeah. And so when, when you're tired and you lay down your sword, that's when you need to have those brothers alongside.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm telling you, listen, guys. I know that it's easy to tell yourself that nobody cares and this and that. I get it. I've been there. But we all need community. We we, we cannot survive this by ourselves. We need community. And I know that the movie's make it cool. The hero's by himself. He's a loner. And that's not how this thing works in reality. For you know, um, it's when you said alignment to the word, you know, what's funny. I thought about. Nathan, is it Nathan? Uh, One was praying by the juniper tree. The disciples praying by the juniper tree. Hey, that was Nathaniel. Then Nathaniel, yeah, Nathaniel. And so Jesus tells me, "She laughs." Jesus, is not he, he is kind of proving himself. He's kind of saying, "Hey, this is who I am. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm the guy." I'm the, and he looks at Nathan. Ah, man, Nathaniel, you man, know, he, he, he was saying something like, "This guy's a really good guy, right here." I like this Nathaniel guy. And Nathaniel was like, "You don't know me." You know, fires back. You know, little he sharp, he's sharp. He fires back and, he, and Jesus says, "Ah, Nathaniel, true Israelite." You know, he's and he's like, I listen? I don't know you. Don't you don't, don't try to like get me on your side. I don't know you." And he's, I was with you at the Judah Fortress he goes you really are the son of god and he goes that's all i had to do for you he says you'll see more things than this right. you know what i mean but the thing is is that he already saw this guy's heart the messiah saw this is obviously before the messiah had a relationship with him saw that this guy had a heart of prayer that this guy would go out of his way, he'd separate from everything. There's a difference between isolation and stepping away to be with God. This guy would go into this beautiful church and pray whatever he was praying, but this guy's faith was pleasing to the Messiah. We forget that that was defined for, like in the very beginning of the ministry of Christ. When, he, when they're when they're choosing these disciples, and he says, Nathaniel, this is. I know you have a good heart because I was already with you, and I'm like, man, that's powerful. Like that, and that became that became a target. I'm like that's what I wanted out to feel about me. Like I saw you and cry. I was with you in your private places. You spoke about me. You talked about. You were always lifting me up, you know. And that's kind of been my desire, you know, because that's. That's, to me, that's the equivalent of him saying, well done, good, faithful people Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. But can you imagine this guy you don't know trying to compliment you, you know, and then knowing, knowing that no one else was around. There's no microphones, your cell phone wasn't on, there's no microphone, but knowing no one else was around, but because you spent time with the father, that you can, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it shows you how intimate he really is with us. and desires of be with us. You know? Uh, oh, I forgot. I forgot. I almost forgot. You don't have to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still there. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so I was told to ask you a specific question oh, yeah. by someone uh, that they said has always been confusing uh, to them about uh so i just want to let you know i told you that i I was going to answer the question so uh i was told to ask a specific question about why did jesus say get me behind me say to peter uh when he was talking about going to the cross and Mm um i think this rocks a lot of people uh it rocks yeah. a lot. Peter's
1: rock.
0: Let's take a quick look. At, at, and it's in. Which one are you going
1: to
0: go to? I'm not looking at those clothes. Yep. What clothes? Do you see? what I want to go to the different ones. So the i I'm
1: at Matthew. We'll do Matthew and uh, I'm, but I don't see the context, of course, is this is a way with his disciples, and mm-hmm. he says, uh, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And we get this variety of answers. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, other Uh, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Mm -hmm. And so then Jesus personalizes and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, you are Messiah, the Christ. Christ and Messiah meaning the same thing, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, on this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell prevail against it. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, etc., etc., etc. Then he strictly charged them not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And from that time on, he began to teach his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Right. So I mean, let's just put ourselves in 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 the moment. When he said, yeah, you're right, I am the Messiah, what were they thinking? We've already kind of covered this. They're <laughs> thinking, here is the guy who's finally going to kick Rome out of our lives. Here is the guy who's going to finally establish Israel at the head of the yep. nations. Here is the guy who's going to be king over all. And you're Peter, and you're just lapping it up. I'm giving you the kingdom and the gates of hell and up of hell against it, yada, yada Yeah, go, 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 right? And then he says, keep it on the down low. Right. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. And by the way, I'm going to Jerusalem to suffer and die. Be killed. Not just die, but be killed. People are going to actively lay hands on me and kill me. Wait a minute. Uh, you said you were the Messiah. Uh, all this is going through Peter's mind. And so, of course, he says, you know, from the flesh, this isn't what I would bargain for. This this doesn't match up with my expectation. This is all wrong, Jesus. I'm going to tell you, this is the way it should be, all right? Far be it from you, Lord. Okay. Look at this. I, you
2: know, I, 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 I
1: always am, am marveling at, at the sentence before that. Peter began to rebuke him. Hey, son of God, sit down. I'm gonna tell you what this really is, right? Right, and so where did that come from? It was satanically inspired, Satan doesn't want Jesus to go to the cross and die, even though he didn't completely understand it. That's what Paul says if if they had known it, they would not have allowed the son to be crucified, true. But that impulse to power. That impulse to to rule over others—that's what Peter's expressing, and that's it's good. satanic, is it? it yeah, it's satanic. So get, get behind me, Satan. Of course, he rebukes Satan because <laughs> it's Satan speaking through. And I guess that's a good example. Uh, you know, going back to that sword that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, the sword's good as long as we remember that we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. Right. You know, against the uh, principalities and powers, and so here he is. He, he is he is wrestling not against Peter. No, no. But the satanic I mean, of, course, I mean, of
0: course, we like the idea of not getting beat up. You right. know what I mean? We like the idea of not not getting murdered. I I love that idea. You know what I mean? Uh. So in the military, they had to use the fear of death uh, especially for infantry that just refused the concept of death it, which was kind of weird
2: because what they would have to do is use heaven
0: and sacrifice that gave us access to the eternal life you know that's it's like how do you talk someone into dying for a country and really didn't care that much about them let alone they don't know everybody they only know their family you know and you got to convince these people and so you know I was with men who would jump on a grenade to make sure I came home to my family and I'm thinking the same thing I would take a bullet now of course my mother and father and sisters, well, I don't know about my sisters so much, my sister would be like, no, you, you jump on the grenade. <laughs> my sister would be like, please jump on the grenade. Uh, but you're talking about people willing to go through terrible things for the sake of this country. And I go, whoa. Christ did that for the world. And so I could totally see where... Where you talked about, he was like, "This is our guy. He's going to deliver us. This is the Messiah." And it's it's kind of interesting because it lines up with the Pharisees a little bit. You know what I mean? It it, it lines up with the Pharisees that this idea that you know he can't be the Messiah because our Messiah is going to be this guy, and yet the disciples are saying, "Well, we have him, and he is that guy." But you just don't know it yet that he's that guy. But he is that guy. You just don't know it yet, and he's going, and then. The Messiah is so focused on the Father that he's telling them something they don't want to hear. He's like, "No, they're they're gonna they're gonna be, this is gonna happen," and it's like, "No, that like you said, that's impossible." We know that you are the Messiah. It has to play out this way, right. <laughs> you know. And I think this is where the mystery of love. You know, when you think you would come, kids can do things. That you know, if another kid did what that kid did, you'd cut that kid off. Don't bring that kid around here anymore. They can break stuff that you like. I just bought this. I literally just said, This is my mom's China. It means so much to me. And you run your truck against it. It's like, you know, kids can tear up stuff that you know you you wouldn't have the strength to forgive someone else for doing it. I think I had my van, brand new Ford Freestar two years, my three-year-old daughter decides that she wants to draw on I know, two weeks. I had it for two weeks and she draws on it. And I'm like, oh, what? what is life about <laughs> it? was such a big thing. Like, why would you do this? I was so happy with this new card. I'm being a big man for my family. And it's like, man, family things are going to happen. I had to learn that from a friend of mine. Uh, his name is uh, see, was, yeah, my dad. Because remember the stuff you did? Okay, get it, for I get it. Don't, you don't have to go down in details. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But it is. Two questions then you see senior. He's like, I call him. Can you believe she drew on the car? My dad's like, good. <laughs> he hangs up the phone. Oh, for these lessons that we learned, you know, we're like, we look at what. Think about Peter's heart behind. You said it was satanic, inspired. I'm like,
2: because it was coming through the flesh. There was the access point there. It's like,
0: do not let it go through the cross. It to and
2: this lets us know
0: that sometimes God has to offend us.
2: And sometimes our flesh is going to want to intervene. Right? Sure.
0: So God has to offend us. Well,
2: the cross is in the
0: there's, there's no around it. yeah. So, God has so so comfort. How much weight does comfort have with God? I'm not exactly sure
1: what you're asking, me, but God, is, yeah, God, God is a God of all comfort. It says, and you think that means that somebody's lying about
0: what comfort is.
1: Well. The word itself, come forth, is, is from Latin. That means to, to strengthen alongside.
2: Oh, it has nothing to
1: do with relaxing. I know.
0: Do you understand? You see it now? Uh, you see the confusion? Like, because it's like, wait a minute. Like, There's a comfort in knowing that the Messiah is going to do all this great stuff. But the idea of the, the Messiah being beaten, there's no comfort in that. When well, there I mean, is, I mean, you don't I mean, see it.
1: See what you're, you know, because we have taken the word. We're, Comfort. And and we've given it new well being an English teacher, I I I, I understand <laughs> that language doesn't stand still. It is
2: continually
1: yeah. changing. And so comfort uh in its original form uh from the Latin means to strengthen with, calm, with alongside, community uh and, oh. and and forte strong. You know, if you play music, you do forte, yeah, you're doing it you know strong. So so to be comfort is to be strengthened with uh in the original sense
0: comfort uh, is strength
1: yes and, and, and so now of course we have talked about comfort as being this uh having
0: having everything
1: I need to make me feel like my senses are satisfied right my my uh, happy place. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to say <laughs> it's I filled think, with all the things that make me happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A man cave sort oh. of place. Or oh, whatever happens.
0: This yeah. is real. And
1: now I put my feet up and
0: I I lit my cigar and I'm. That's comfort. But in, in scripture, that's not comfort. Do <laughs> you guys hear this? And and this is why this reconciliation <laughs> is so important because it set things back in order. Because I know, like you said, you said I, that language not sit still, and I'm cool with that, as long as we can. As long as when we go too far, we can come back to the foundation, which is about where we're at right now. We need to come back to the foundation, and say, let's regroup. How do we get this far? How do we get this far off? You know, what I mean, if we were traveling through the wilderness right now, and fact well, I mean, that still like a plagiarizing,
2: but we find ourselves
0: going in the same circle. <laughs> you know, it's like all right. What are we doing here? Especially since we're, thinking we're going to get some progress, right? Do we need a new leader? You know, do we need, we've got to have this uncomfortable conversation that we're going nowhere. you know I mean? I, and and I, I tell people this, you know, all the time, that there's two types of people, pioneers and settlers. When you look at the Hebrew people, they were told by God, just <laughs> kind of keep going around. I don't know if they thought they were going to discover new stuff. I'm like,
2: did I leave this here last time?
0: 40 years going around that wilderness, you know, it, it, you know, and, and I only really think two people got to make it from the original passage. Only two people made it into the promised land. You know, I'm telling everybody right now, I know for a fact that the Messiah came and opened up this opportunity for those who are willing to come. Because there's such a beautiful word in the John three sixteen 16, we love to quote so much. says, whosoever would not die but have everlasting life. Right. You know, and in that belief, I believe the word transformation is also in that, in that belief. Because if we're not going to die and have everlasting life, then there has to be this transforming Place that takes place, and of course, that's what the rebirth is. There's, when I when I think about salvation, I think there is a point where you were honestly someone's trash, thrown away. You were just, a, you know, another person. Just this, but salvation brings a significance to where you are in that moment and turns you into something else. Does that make sense at all?
1: Well, we are being shaped into the image of Christ. That's the goal. Yeah, and so. When we talk about salvation, there is that moment of being transferred from darkness to light. But salvation includes the journey of being made like Christ. We call it sanctification, theologically speaking. Yeah. But it is being saved day to day now uh, by God. Me. What is he redeeming me from? He's redeeming me from my sin. He has forgiven all my sin in Christ when I first accepted him. But he is also saving me from sin each day as I grow closer to him, as I walk in the spirit, as I more of his word, as by his spirit I put that word into effect in my life. So salvation is not simply momentary, but it is a process as well. It says, again, in 1 Corinthians, that we were saved, we are being saved, we will be saved. And so I like to talk about, you know, I used to lead a Bible study at the juvenile detention center. We get into this every, every so often. Uh, and what did God save you from? Or, or why did God save you? And the and answer would invariably be so I could go to heaven. And I would say, that is not why God saves people. He mm-hmm. saves people from sin. That is why Jesus came, to save people from sin, to save people from the of sin at the very beginning of our faith walk to save us from the power of sin. As we journey with Him, living under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we find our battle with sin, and He is saving us from sin's power out in our lives as we learn to submit more and more to the Holy Spirit's direction. And finally, He will save us from the presence of sin in that day when. He either comes or we appear before him finally, face to face, face we shall be like him, for so we shall see him as he is. He is without sin, and we will finally also be without sin, right? So that salvation is that whole process of first believing, then walking, and then finally, either by death or resurrection. Yeah, in the
0: forever. you know, the, the funny thing about that is that again, that process, so that in that process pretty much has nothing to do with our version, the modern version of the word comfort. No. (laughs) No. Because it's, because, I mean, pretty much.
1: Well, you know, we've talked about offense and being offended on the cross is offense. And the reality is Jesus says, if anyone will, will be my disciple, let him take up and follow me. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, common talk about what needs to take up your cross. Oh, you look at somebody in your life, that's my cross to bear. Uh, no, the actual the, the person on the cross that he's talking about is you and me. The person on my cross is me. I'm to die that Christ may live. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives yeah. in me who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what Paul writes. He talked about uh, at some point uh, people were were, were were trash and then God saved them. Well, the amazing thing is Paul looks at his life and says, I found everything trash. Instead, I just focus my eyes on Christ and the cross. I may know him in the power of his resurrection. I count everything back there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and this is where I think, the enemy can use our modern definition as comfort as a, a weight to keep us from pursuing because because if you think about it, if we have altered the word comfort to what it is to where now the idea of being uncomfortable which is exactly that but that yes works is
1: not working in summer
0: yeah right 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 so now what's going to happen is that we now this is where a lot of the exaggerations of the devil comes in the exaggeration of the blessing of God Well, Duke, I would say that
1: this is a fundamental of Bible interpretation. You need to understand that the Bible each part of the Bible was written by a particular person to a particular people in a particular time and if we're going to understand the Bible for ourselves, we first have to understand what did those authors mean for that audience to get and so we have to, if we're going to interpret the word comfort correctly, we have to ask ourselves the question when well, this author means this word, what did he mean by it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I understand what he means by it, then I can draw some understanding of what I ought to get from it as well. And it might not be the same thing that that original audience got. Um, and
2: and, and, so and talking about-
1: my head, I'm not getting a good example
0: and we're talking about the word of God here so we've got to be real careful with these meanings you know because people's lives are depending on these meanings of these words Right. so if we're using comfort in the modern form and well yes if you're teaching people that when God wants to comfort you it's going to be because he's going to give you
1: this and that and he's going to make it so that you don't have to worry about this and that uh, whether it's a new because the other one's
0: breaking down, or, you know, if that's different, then that's a misunderstanding. And that was pretty much 90s preaching for the whole 90s to, to, to the, even till to today. The, the, the idea that God is going to give us not just a blessing. I've, I've heard, uh, I heard a message a long time ago they had the church going crazy, the church like 10,000 people going from blessed to bliss. And it had nothing to do with eternity, it had everything to do with God prospering us to a place of wealth and, and legacy for our children and uh and wealth de- development, you know. What I mean, but it had nothing to do with spiritual growth, and it was that it gets it's I'll take you to a land of milk and honey, and then of course, they use the church for places Israel, and, you know, in replacement theology, and the says, I'll take you to a but in the land of milk and honey the wealth is there is you don't even have to do it the wealth is there and that's a very euphoric uh exaggerative because god doesn't bless any with anything without also including responsibility
1: well one of one of the things that we have to step back and say is there are many different ways to talk about life with God, and one of them is servants one of them is stewards. One of them, and, and both of those entail what you're talking about, them, responsibility. Yeah. Uh, to whom much uh, is given, much will be required. Yeah. Uh, if you prove yourself faithful in a little, I give you a lot to be faithful. Uh, to
0: be
2: faithful. I don't hear you.
1: So, so we don't. We want all, all of the rights with, uh, we want all the privileges without the responsibility. So so maybe
0: that we're what's been happening then with this misinterpretation of comfort because I, I did try to find in scripture where there's this just this relaxing moment of bliss, for and, and just, it's not even found in heaven, that this idea of, of this kind of comfort. I know that peace, there's peace. I, I get, I've get. i seen elements of peace in the scriptures. I see where, the, but I think what's happened is that we turn it from like, so this according to the modern version of the word comfort, it's now the gospel of our pleasure. No wonder then we start to replace what he intended with what we feel and what we're doing. And no wonder replacement theology makes so much sense if it's motivated by our comfort our because the scriptures are very uh, i even heard a couple presidents mocking uh the old testament when they would say things like what part of the old testament do we use where we stone our children where where it pleases god to stone our children and you watch them so dismissively throw stuff out and what were they using the scripture for and 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 here's how my brain works i'm like wow you, you you make it seem like we're not that abortion is illegal in America today, where children are being killed in the womb, but you're judging you're misinterpreting, first of all, and judging the uh, old testament, but even based off the misinterpretation of the excerpt baby that took out to make it mean what they want to I mean, where we're supposed to stone babies, it's like, look what we do to babies today, but it's so it's, and so what, I, what I'm saying is that we'll say and do anything, even use scripture, with those modern comfort goggles to, to make us more comfortable with with our sin with our greed you know uh if if god said to us give up our house and go to a lower another country and preach the gospel would we do it i i know many have they've sold everything and went into ministry but how many of us would with that how many of us would be motivated To make that kind of sacrifice, if our definition of comfort, this is just one word. If comfort is wrong, if our definition of comfort is not what was written, the intention of what was written, that can throw everybody off in a bad way, the entire nation. The other word then becomes love or pleasure. Well, there's a lot of
1: words that get used in our culture that used in a way that we would say was biblical. And, you know, certainly is one of them. I think peace is one of them, quite honestly. Wow. Uh, and, and as we've already discussed, the, the idea of comfort, for sure, and
2: pleasure is connected
1: to that.
0: Uh, I got you. Check this out. And you can see it in the Old Testament. I, me and my kids are still baffled by this. Manna, they're hungry. Manna from heaven comes. They start complaining. And I'm like, oh. This is one of the most irritating things to read. <laughs> one of the most irritating things to read. You got to push through it. This is what I mean. He gave them nourishment from heaven. They were ready to go back into slavery over Hidden Valley and some Texas peat. Right, and I'm going. God, is this really what humans look like? And it's like, did you know that's what you guys look like? <laughs> you know, but his response was nourishment. Our response was pleasure. Like we
2: we want it from
0: you, God, but give it to us the way we like. He goes, nourishment. Is that an example of his comfort versus our comfort? Comfort foods. Well, yeah, I
1: think that you know we talked about gluttony a couple of weeks ago, this, and gluttony isn't just the question of overeating, but also the idea of uh, only only preferring delicacies, luxurious food.
0: Wow. And so that is an
1: example then of manna not being satisfactory enough.
0: So, so we literally
1: were saying heaven
0: wasn't enough. Food from heaven wasn't right. that, that's
1: and so when Jesus set, comes and he says, you know, Moses fed the manna from
2: heaven,
0: but I tell you I'm the bread of life. I, I am the real bread from heaven. So I don't I want that will. bread either. <laughs> oh man. I can't believe he's just connecting those dots. That happened on this show. That's amazing. Because he did say that and again, we when, when, when you're reading the scripture you if you're if you're not really in the right mindset and Again, I gotta, I gotta preface this, but this is why this reconciliation is so important. Because what ends up happening is we'll read something and we'll go, oh, okay, well, yeah, he did Jesus say saying he's the bread of life the same way. So he was like the manna. We would want to compare him to being the manna like he did. But if you have the Old Testament to compare to, which is another reference for you. Of the Old Testament, so we know we can't just like how do we even know what he's talking about if we that's why you said you didn't understand the the, 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 yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. That that was a clear example, folks, of how it's impossible to understand the New Testament because, like, who is this Moses?
2: Technically, who is this
1: Moses that Jesus is referencing to? If you don't know that story,
0: you can love Jesus all you want, but you don't know what he's talking about, you know. And so he's he compares them to the bread of heaven the same way Moses bread right? like, Yeah, but I'm the real bread of heaven. And technically, when people are rejecting the Messiah, they're doing it the same way. Well you look at the end of that
1: story,
2: man, that's gonna come up. We can start to go out with completely the same thing,
1: but you we know, my body, right? Because now we And so, the so Jesus looks at his at his disciples. and says, You want to take off now too? Yeah.
2: Where where else can
1: we go? Only you have the words of life. You know, that's sometimes how I think we ought to feel as Christians. Lord, I have my doubts. What is this all about? Can this really be facts? Can this can this be real? And then you step back from it a second, and you look around at the alternatives, (laughs) and you say, "Lord, (laughs) I, I don't get it." But there, there, there's no
0: place else so when I look at when I look at what, the, this whole eating of the flesh thing and just in case you guys are saying yeah this is why I'm an atheist and stuff like that I told you because at this particular time <laughs> there was paganism going on in this time there, there, it wasn't like I think sometimes we keep mixing modern culture with this some sense of um humane Behavior when this is a very rough time to live in. The Romans were already like, cruci- guys. We're not just. Well, I mean, you know, some things still going on or, on that side of the world. But one of the disadvantages of being American is that we do a lot of things. It wasn't always that way, uh, but we, even though we used to be a very brutal, you know, public hangings and things like that, we've gotten away from that. We we've kind of matured in that. We know. I know we do. Executions and stuff like the death penalties, but death was a way of life back then. You know what I mean? It, it was much more public, absolutely. And so uh, it was used uh, to control people, put people in fear, and uh, things like that. Versus, like, say, delivering justice or anything like that. So you have to think when it came to the spiritual stuff, you're dealing with a very pagan, a lot of pagan stuff. There were child sacrifices happening in different cultures on the other side of the world uh in in indigenous cultures and then uh even to this day there's you know even even with the hebrew people there was the sacrificing of the animals you know we're talking about you know what thousands of you know at some points thousands of cows being killed uh as a sacrifice so that's a very bloody situation so right so when you start talking about uh eating a human, eating, the Jesus you're going to eat my flesh. Uh, and people are, and so the crowds leave because it's like, okay, the one thing the Hebrew people knew is that we were not to uh, eat human flesh. We were not to do those things. We were not to, you know, we were not to, those were things that the pagans did, you know? And so to go from that, you know, I want you guys to think about it, kind of like in the Native American story where they they had to be sacrificed. To, uh, you know, the gods always wanted a young virgin to sacrifice or sacrifice to Zeus to please the gods or something like that. Those are the types of stuff. So now here comes Yeshua <laughs> saying, "Eat my flesh." I know you're one of those guys. You're doing that weird stuff. You see what I mean? It's so easy to misinterpret that in there in that day as well. You know, uh, especially comparing it to what God did with the, the, the with Moses.
1: Well, you know, in a way, this gets back to biblical interpretation. What are the principles of biblical interpretation? And we have this, I think, true in in a sense saying among our, ourselves that we take the Bible literally. And what we are saying is we take it that this is God's word. yeah. But what we are not saying or shouldn't be saying is that we take each word literally on the face of it. So that we are ought to be saying that when we read scripture, we understand that we're reading a number of different genres. There's narrative, there's poetry, there's history, there's uh, just day-to-day conversation where we all use figures of speech that we don't mean the language we use literally. It's saying cats and dogs. No, not literally. <laughs> but there is a meaning in that that we understand. And so we come to the Bible the same way. We take it literally as God's word, but we interpret it within its specific genre. And if there is a metaphor being used, I interpret it as a metaphor, not literal language. And so when Jesus is talking in his way about himself, it's similar to when he said to them, you know, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. He was talking symbolically about his own body, not the literal temple. So here too, when he says, eat my flesh, he's not talking about cannibalism, <laughs> but he's talking about communion and participation. And I'm,
0: I, I'm laughing because I get the privilege to, you know, because I'm on this side of time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, 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 but realistically, uh, this is a real concern, you know, For the people, like, oh my gosh, he he wants us to eat him. <laughs> that's, that's insane, you know. And I'm going, oh man, you guys missed this. <laughs> but you have to be in that day. Well, and
1: the fact is that there was there were a couple of examples of cannibalism among the Israelites when uh, the sieges got bad up around some places. Some people started eating one another. Right. So we have a record of that. And so it's, it's not unnatural for them to, to hear it in this way uh, when Jesus says it, uh, but they clearly have misinterpreted
0: what he was trying to teach them. And it's so interesting that people can respond with full emotion as if they gave their full attention or understood fully, but can respond with full emotion. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most interesting things about uh, humans that we can do that, that we have this ability to respond as if we know what we're talking about, and clearly have no idea what we're talking about. You know the Pharisees with all that passion and everything still be wrong. Peter, you know, you know, no Lord, he's going to rebuke Jesus and still be wrong. And it's like, wow! Not only is God, not only is Messiah the, like the only one right or good, but he's the only one right. Can you imagine being the only right person on the planet? I mean, just, who wants that job? <laughs> the only right one. So he's you not know, the Messiah is not only the one, the only one good, but he's the only one right. Well, he is the truth, <laughs> <You're> right? <laughs> you know, I, I look at you know Mary, Mary Magdalene, uh, you know with, with the Lazarus not Yeah, yeah and I, I look at the Samaritan woman. Come see a man. They all had this experience, and but, but with her, she says, "Come see a man." With Lazarus' sister, she says, "If you had been here, you would you would have you would have died, you know." And, and the people go, uh, "The people go, man, he was perfect strangers,
1: but his friends, he lets die." Well, you know, there's a couple of. That come to mind if you had been there, he would not have died. Uh, the fact is that even if Jesus wasn't there, he could still have prevented him from dying because we know that he healed people without going to their house. Right, right. So we're not looking at the right thing.
0: Uh, and we <laughs> so good. So good. Jesus
1: has intentions, God has intentions and purposes in all of life's trial that include death. Um,
2: yeah.
0: It was an uncomfortable conversation.
2: <laughs>
1: there's, there's so much tied up with Lazarus's raising but I think it begins with that notion that Jesus can only do things up close and personal. That's not the case. Yeah. The second is the misunderstanding that if Jesus was here, he wouldn't have died. I'm sorry. People die in the presence of Jesus all the time.
2: Oh. Don't they? Yes.
1: And so what's really important is I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he died. Yet shall he live. That's that's the point. And from there, then Jesus is able to raise Lazarus because he he now becomes the symbol of what I've just said. Even though he was dead, yet shall he live. But Lazarus died again. Right. And I wonder if Lazarus felt cheated in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, I was four sure. days in heaven in the presence of God. And yeah. Now, <laughs> now, you're now, now, you're, now you're bringing me back here. You know, I, I'm sure he enjoyed his life, what was left of it, but. It was not
0: eternal life that he entered into at that point. Yeah, you and know, when it comes to disbelief, this is what I try to get my atheist brothers and sisters to see. Like, what did, what gain, besides the things that they don't appreciate, because they don't believe in it, so what earthly gain did the disciples get, the apostles get, or did anyone get for following the Messiah in a day where it became illegal? to speak and preach in his name. What gain did they get from being arrested, from being persecuted, from being let down, from being... Yeah. Yeah, I I know the atheists like, I don't care about it. I was like, well, then for you, there is no gain. I get back to the foolishness of the preaching, right? Well, for people who are true atheists, what
1: we're talking about is Accept the reality of a spirit life or the material. The only thing that exists is matter. Uh, the only thing that exists is the physical universe. Okay. And so there is no God. There is no afterlife. There is just whatever here. And so uh, they would call Jim Elliot the fool. Right. Uh, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot. Hold on to to gain what cannot be lost. They can say, "Well, I most people think of talking about eternal uh, riches." Yeah, and there's no such thing. Uh, we don't believe in that view of reality. We believe in reality that is infused with a God who created. Uh, I've been listening to uh, Stephen Meyer. Uh, is a I think. I think he might be a biophysicist, but he's a philosophy of science. He, he's uh, one of the grand proponents of uh, intelligent design. i uh, just listening in the last couple of days again a lot about the problems with the materialist view of things uh, given the reality of fine tuning in the universe, given the complexity of uh, an individual cell and why Darwinian evolution really does not work.
2: Oh uh, wow.
1: Just really pushing on those those places where atheists might be finding their, their, their greatest confidence, saying, you know, scientifically a lot of the things that atheists have depended on in the past are Our just shame. not the scientific case. That the more we have learned, uh, the, the, the the more we understand that Darwin was was wrong. Uh, even uh, Stephen Meyer's first big breakout book was something called Darwin's Doubt. And it talks about uh, Darwin's confessions, even in his uh, in his own writings, that there was something in the geological record wow. that he could not account for, and that he cast a doubt on his theory.
2: Never so, knew that.
1: Something called the Cambrian Explosion. So, so what atheists are counting on. Is the fact that there is there 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 literally is no God that
2: this they need this to happen
1: and and, uh, a lot of people I understand uh, look at the God question and at bottom have confessed that what they really don't want is a judge in their lives
2: right. There's
1: nothing you can do about that, and unless unless someone is willing to open themselves up to that possibility that there is actually someone in the universe that you're going to be accountable to, then atheism is going to be the most comfortable place to live. (laughs)
0: And you brought it back, and there's comfortable, (laughs) yeah. You brought it back because here's the thing is that I didn't. My son had a very candid conversation with me that I had a lot of respect for. And he said, dad, you know, all this nonsense, I'm pretty sure he's been messing around with Ecclesiastes. And if you're not careful, Ecclesiastes would be very, it'll make you just want to walk away. Like, you know what? I get everything he said. This place is confusing. I want to go home. He goes, uh, and he just says, and I didn't ask to be born, you know. I didn't ask to be born. He's like, this, is, you know, everything is stupid. It's, it's it's a mess. And I'm like, all right, I want you to know, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You're, right. you know, the you know we 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 he, and he's he's it was rough for him growing up having me as a dad because he's he's like, wait a minute, they believe this back in the day, they don't believe this now this. was wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. He's looking at the same thing in the scriptures. He's watching the people when they came to me and said, That is he's talking, God in Ezekiel was saying all this bad stuff, like his people are stiff-necked, isn't is He's talking about the bad guys or the good guys. And I'm like, Oh, that's those are the good guys. That's that's us. Like, put their heart hard it, stiff necked he's just like, uh you just watching, you frustrated, trying to grasp. Where is the consistency of this good thing? And I'm like, that's only in God. Everything else is a trend. Everything else will fade away. And then you watch the Messiah say the exact same thing about the temple. This too will come and go. So every time we try to attach ourselves to some idea that we know God. And that God's going to do this. I think this is what Paul was really saying. Every time I think I know something, I find out I know nothing. And we live in that state of being a permanent student.
1: Yes, and this is why um, people should not um, cast, shouldn't get blown out of the water if they have doubts. God welcomes doubts. God uh, allows us to. God, I I hope you hear that out there. That's freedom right there. I hope you hear that. Um, When you were talking about Ecclesiastes and how you can go so wrong, of course. If you don't read carefully to the end, where he says, he basically sums up, yeah, everything in this world is messed up. So here's what you need to do. Get right with God. Yeah. I mean, basically, that's, yeah, the, yeah. that's, that's the end of the Ecclesiastes.
0: If you but, can survive reading through but, it. But
1: Psalm 73 is, is a place that I've gone a lot of times. He um, says, Tru, truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost, almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He looks around and he sees wicked people doing well. This is messed up. This is upside down, Lord. The good people are being trodden down. The wicked people are prospering. They have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They're comfortable. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Doesn't that describe so much of our culture? So then he says... Therefore, pride is their necklace. They walk around with pride. Look what I have done. Look what I have accomplished. Look at, look at me. Look at me. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell up with fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. They threaten oppression. They sit their mouths against the heavens. Atheism. Their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to find them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease, increasing riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. Look how great those guys are doing, Lord. I've been trying to follow you and it's been for nothing. Yes. Right? And he goes on, all the day long I've been stricken. I'm rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak this way, in other words, yeah, uh, the rich really do have it right. Look at how good they've got. And if I had spoken that way, I would have betrayed the generation of children because this was not the teaching of the plan of God. That's why it would have been a betrayal to say the rich have it right in their lifestyle, in their attitudes. I would have betrayed. But when I thought how to understand it all, it seemed to me a wearisome task until. There's that great word. And you find this in the scriptures. So many places, until or what? Well, yes, yeah. Until, yeah. Right? Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their destiny. In the sanctuary of God, in the holy, holy, holy place, in front of the holy, holy, holy one, yeah. who desires holiness for his people and does not find it in the lifestyle of the rich and famous. So, when, oh, until free? I went into the sanctuary of God, and I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. Remember the beginning of this? My feet had almost slipped. Oh, I got it wrong, Lord. They're the ones in the slippery place. They're the ones in the slippery place. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed and swept away, swept
2: away, by right away. And,
0: and we're not the you know, and, 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 and,
2: and and think of the. I'm sorry. No, no, Let me no, just no, to finish
1: the one idea. Think of the man who said, "Look at all my stuff. I gotta build me more barns." Yeah, you fool tonight. Your life will be required. This is the place that the rich are in. Now, clearly, as a Christian, I can become rich in worldly goods. God expects me to really help. You're a servant, you're a steward. You'll have an accountant.
2: Yeah,
1: but it's if only if, if, if you are only living for riches in the world and you have acquired all these. The, the, the comfort, there's that word again, but, but the, 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 the ease with which having money gives you. You know, I was in a place where if my car broke down. I didn't know where i get the money to fix it. It was hard. I'm in a place where when my car breaks down, now I can fix it. And so having money certainly makes life easier in that sense. But in terms of my relationship to God, am I depending on my money to fix my car? Or I'm depending on God to give me the strength and the wherewithal to make the money to fix my car. It's a, it's an attitude. And
0: that's good. What,
1: what is what is true of so many of us, myself included, then is disconnecting everything I experience in the material world from my experience with God. And what happens? is I become a practical atheist.
0: You just mentions God? No, a pra- pra- practical. Pra- practical. Practical. In, in, in practice. Yeah. I am living. Oh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. In I practice. Am living living without li- God. Yeah. Oh, because it's in practice. Right. Yeah, that, that, yeah. So that means.
1: So if I disconnect
0: my, my job and my paycheck
1: from the God who gives me the health to get up every morning to go there, the breath to do the job, whatever. Your doubts right, in practice. Yeah. Then I have. And I, I just see, hey, I, I got a good enough job that I can get my car fixed. I got a good enough job that I can buy this house. I got,
0: I got. You I know got what's funny that. about you saying that is that, that actually brings us to where Ananias and Sapphira were saying they were giving everything to God, but really weren't,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and God wasn't even having that. He wasn't even dealing with that either. You know what I mean? Like, so it's it's almost like, hey, we're, I'm not. <laughs> it was like I just have to tell him I'm not playing about, this and even for Peter to say, "Look, that's your husband laying on the ground right there. Just say the truth. Just say the words. Just say the truth." And she's like, "No, we gave everything. You know, and the same thing happens." And I'm like, "This is in the church. This is this is in the temple. This is in like this is in the house. This is where this is the foundations of us accepting." And you want to, if people are about the wrath of God, I'm like, dude, aren't we in the New Testament? <laughs> that breaks the rule right there. You know, we're in the New Testament and already we're dealing with Ananias and father You know, and, 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 you know, there's this, and, in the, and also in the New Testament it makes it clear that you cannot serve God. and you just can't do it. Uh, and, and so then I know that in America, one of the things that made us feel superior over each other was our stuff. Having the cool stuff. Being the first to get the iPhone and I'm telling you, it being the first to get the coolest car, being the first to get the television. Uh my dad, my dad made sure that he did bring us in that rat when 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 the Nintendo came out, we still had the Atari. And two game systems would come out later and they give us them two. Time. And then he would never want us to feel like we had to, to catch up. My dad would like, if, I, if I needed new shoes, then you know, my mom would be like, Oh, you can't sit in the kitchen. So could, you know, some Kmart shoes, you has got, gotta be the, the best. And my dad would be like, You don't want to open that door. Of course, my mom make sure we did
2: <laughs> She's my mom,
0: she's like, You're not going to school with you, you know, it looked good. So, And I and noticed, here's what like, I noticed. A lot of the other kids think that I thought I was better than them because of the clothes that I was wearing. They were basing it off the clothes. You know what I mean? They were basing it off the fact that my parents worked hard to live in a nice neighborhood. So I ended up in a lot of fights because I had good parents who cared about me. Wanted to be, you see what I'm saying? But what was driving the people crazy wasn't the way I was treating them. It was what I had. You know, so you, you, that, that vigil swings both, that same okay. truth sweeps both ways. You can inherit a lot of great things.
2: You work for India, your parents are great. You walk outside, now you're a target because everyone's angry at you because of what you inherited. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the <laughs> Crazy. You, and that's, that's why what, number 10 says, uh, yeah, yeah. But he says, thou shall I come that and then the Messiah in 96, 6 turned around and said,
0: Some really crazy stuff. Like, don't worry about what you're going you to eat. The plants worry about what they're going to wear. And yet Solomon was adoring you. He's like, Whoa, you right. just told a bunch of oppressed people not to worry about what they're going to eat. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty fit. Well, uh, he couples that with how
1: to pray. Yes, us this day our daily bread. Right. Yeah. Uh, be satisfied with the manna that comes today. Because what what, what were the rules about the manna?
2: Right. Yeah. Take yeah, what yeah, you, you can eat that today. day
1: because tomorrow it's not going to be any good. Right. And I'll send new manna tomorrow.
2: Right.
1: The one day that was different was Shabbat, Sabbath, that he got enough for two days. Right? Right. And so when Jesus says, you know, don't worry about these things, what he's asking for is our faith in a faithful father who will provide
0: daily bread. Guys, if you're listening right now, I need you to see why, like this conversation that we're having is so important. You need to see why we have to reconcile reconcile the... I do have to say this. We have to reconcile not only the church in Israel, and not only the, the heart of man to God, but we do need to just based off the word comfort and love and pleasure, all these things that, that that stimulate us in a positive way, we need to to reconcile our language as well to find out where where these motivations come from. Why is it stimulating? I got one for you. This is gonna this is mind blowing and, and uh and we're about out of time. But I want to show you guys something. I'm looking this word up, a word that we said to our children. But I know you said that language doesn't sit still, right? Uh, I'm gonna read I, I, I promised myself I would never do this on air because uh, I didn't want to scare people, but now I don't care. <laughs> so the origin of the word fun, the Middle English word, it means to make a fool or to be a fool. The word fun. To cheat or to hoax. The word fun middle english 17th century a fond a fool and so much of us feel like good parents when our kids have fun so fun is not what we think it is but i want to tell you guys we gotta we gotta get our words back get our language back reconcile our faith walk in truth play some music for you guys and i'll come back to say goodbye I think
2: it's it's once amazing